Hey folks, Dustin here. Just a quick heads up. You are about to listen to an episode of Music the Lightblood's Conversations from the Pit. But I want to tell you guys real quick that Conversations from the Pit is a video show as well. It's a visual thing. And if you would rather go watch the video version of it so you can see all the graphics and cool little pictures I drop in throughout the episode, go check that out. But... If you're driving, maybe you're at the gym and you want to listen to it, I'll continue to make the audio version of Conversations from the Pit available as well. So if video is your thing, you might want to go check out the YouTube. All right, that's it. Here comes the episode. Yeah, I just can't see John. I'm pretty sad about it. I'm probably going probably gonna to be a- bummed out this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. I'll do the whole podcast like this. <laughs> yeah, but... Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned yourself into another episode of Music the Lightblood's Conversations from the Pit. I am your very humble host, Dustin. Join with me, as always, the stop making Morrissey jokes to my no! (laughs) John Carter. Oh, you just haven't earned it yet, baby. I know, right? You just haven't earned it yet, baby. (laughs) And then the shocking another return, the sequels mm. that everyone keeps wanting. <laughs> it's <laughs> he's the I have my anger under control to my I don't even actually love you. <laughs> <laughs> my older brother Derek. <laughs> I got it all under control. Everything's cool. <laughs> don't right. worry. See, don't, don't worry. <laughs> Derek once broke a pool stick over someone's forehead so I'm just going to let that hang in the air John what are we talking about Uh, the beautifully baseless and justice for all So I'm going to get it out now. This album sounds like garbage and nothing <laughs> anyone ever says is going to change my mind. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Thanks everybody. It's not, have a good one. It's not, it's not near as bad as some of that bullshit you sent me last week. Listen. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So good. All right, good, good little uh, peer into the belly of the beast. So I do a new music march with like a select group of people every year. It's invite only. It's very exclusive. And it's it's a month long every day of March. Me just assaulting you with music that you that is either new or new to you. And I've sent Derek some doozies the last (laughs) the last week or so. And there have been a couple where I am not exaggerating pissing and moaning 
<laughs> is is a good way is a good way to describe it. <laughs> it so was he's, shit. He's, there's, he's, there's a couple bad ones, man. I but you you you're you're broadening your horizons now. This week you're going to get Bathory dumped on you, and we'll see how you act then. I'm sure mm. I'll love so. it. <laughs> fucking love it. When you said pissing and moaning, I thought of like bands like Shine Down and Hinder, <laughs> where it's like sad, sad boy rock, stained. Yeah, yeah. sad boy rock. Uh, yeah, yeah, post grunge. That's mm, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's get down to business. Uh, hot take. All right, what's everyone's um, just off the cuff thoughts? Derek, you go. Uh, this is my very first exposure to Metallica, so I loved it. I loved the whole album. I did. I had no idea about Cliff being dead and the whole bass bullshit. I had had no clue about any of that when I when I first heard this album. And I listened to this album and this album alone for <laughs> probably six months. It's all I listened to, yeah. and and I I loved it. Loved all of it. Yeah. This Carter. this. This album is a theme song to many, many, many drawings that I've done. Remember when I stayed up all night long? In yeah, my room? yeah. I, your first yeah. year of college, I remember especially because I remember going to that art show. At I think it was at the end of your first year, and I remember the the mosquito. Um, yeah, the hornet. It's a hornet. Hornet. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it. I remember it clearly. So Carter, what do you got? Um, it was kind of kind of like what Derek said. It was. It was sort of my introduction. Well, I guess sonically my introduction because I had already known about them from seeing uh, ads in like Thrasher magazine, you know, and seeing like the, uh, the 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 cassette single for one had art by Pusshead on it, yeah. and mm-hmm. and I and uh, um, I remember seeing an ad for that, and then the video for one on MTV, and I was I was blown away. I I loved it because it was just like. You know, I hadn't seen a video for a, from a band like that. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, well, this song is long. You know, I'm like, that was just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this song is long. <laughs> but like, I'm, I, 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 I have to like it. Cause, I mean, because I was so used to like the three minute long Kiss and Motley Crue songs. You know what I mean? Sure. And, uh, um, and then cause I remember uh, probably it was the winter. Uh, it was probably like this December after it came out, because I think it came out in September, I believe, I want to say. Um, and I went to a mall in uh, Count, uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa, right outside of Omaha, and I bought the cassette. And just, you know, just heard the song one, and me being a skateboarder, you know, and, you know, and uh, just kind of like, you know, kind of getting into heavier music. It was just like, it was like my mission to go and buy Metallica and Justice for All. Sure. You know, and, and so I remember lo- turning it over, looking at it, and there was like, you know, there was like, you know, like four, just four songs on each side. It was, you know, I'm like, this is going to be a super short album. And on the way home, it was like an hour and 15 minute hour, you know, uh, some change drive from Council Bluff to Sioux City. And I listened to the whole thing on my, on my, my Walkman. And as we were pulling up to the house, the album ended. And I was just like, Jesus, this is a long fucking album. But yeah. I remember, I, I really liked it. But one thing I remember was there was like the, um, not the bass as in the bass guitar, but like the bass, it was like a lot of, you know, on, on some of the, the chug, like palm muted chug parts. Overtime. And yeah, yeah. And, and it was like, 
you know, like people say that it quote unquote sounds like garbage, but at the same time, I remember thinking this is like a very unique sounding album because yeah. the album I got into like heavy duty before that was faith. No more is the real thing. And, you know, I remember thinking, okay, yeah, they, they came up in the Bay area. And that's one of the reasons why I got into Metallica is because they were part of that. So that Bay area thing and Cliff Burton was friends with, um, with, you know, with, with those guys and stuff like that. So I kind of knew a little bit about that, but yeah, I had never really heard any Metallica music until I, until I got, you know, got that. And then right after that, I got the 59080 EP. And I mean, I was totally blown away, but it was weird. It was kind of like, I, I liked it, but it was, it was hard to like, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was really, I had to teach myself to, to really like it. Cause there was parts I loved about it. But then there was parts I was like, this goes along with it. So I got to learn to live with this, this, this section of it. And then after a while, I was just like, I, I love the album and I got burnt out on it. And I literally stepped away from that album for almost, almost 10 years because yeah. right after I got that, I got master of puppets and then ride the lightning. And I never went back to, um, to, to justice except for on occasion. Yeah. I'm, so, I, yeah. I, I mean, Derek, Derek has a long love affair with this album and I think Derek ruined it for me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but like, it just, no, like, it's okay. Cause I, I literally, I literally did not listen to anything except this album. Yeah. When Derek, Derek's, Derek's probably his last year at home. So I'm seven years younger than Derek. So Derek's 19 ish. So I'm just about to hit teens and I'm, I'm discovering new music, you know, heavier bands, black Sabbath. I had figured out already. I was aware of Judas priest, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Derek played this nonstop. Now, granted, Derek's an artist and he's in tune creatively. So once you get a artistic trigger, you know, there's a lot of people that they want to stay near to that. So they because it helps them, you know, it it's it's fuel. But, you know, I have I have dad's stereo. So dad, our dad bought a stereo um, in 1972. Um, from the J.C. Penney in downtown Hartford. And those speakers are what I would consider the best sound system I have ever heard. Um, old school, you know, Fuse, you know, the, the coils in them are amazing. It's just an odd, the, 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 the response with the subs are great. And I remember listening to this album on Dad's stereo that Derek had um handed down to him in his in his art room the where he would work in his first year of college and i remember i remember loving the songs but i remember thinking derek please turn that off this sounds like shit and it was because i had been exposed to doc and uh the 80s kiss catalog uh motley crew that sort of stuff where the production is much more balanced this I, I I will I will agree. Some of these songs, there there's potential for them to be some of the best in Metallica's catalog. Um, Eye of the Beholder, um, Harvester of Sorrow, one's a really good song, obviously. But this album just fucking crashes and burns on the mix alone for me. It is just obnoxiously unlistenable to me at this point. So what what I do where where I'm at with it is there's numerous uploads on YouTube 
of enhanced bass, that sort of thing. But there's specifically this dude, it's called the bass channel, yeah. but it's a video version of him playing Jason's parts to the entire album. And that is the only version of Injustice for All that I will listen to now. fingers doesn't he on yep, that yep yeah yep, it, yep, it sounds yep. it's it sounds great um and but at the same time man like i understand it's i don't know like i i could say comparatively to like um you know a really good like docking like uh what's 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 the one that's got dream warriors on it uh Back for the attacks yeah that is my favorite docking album like production wise sure and if you listen to that and then if you if say if you listen to um like like Judas Judas Priest ram it down, and then if you listen to like uh Kiss Kiss Crazy Nights, um then and Justice for All will sound like hot garbage. Like ab- absolutely. <laughs> but my thing was I liked how weird it sounded because it, to me I thought it gave it a cool element of kind of like danger. And it was, right. like, I was like, I was like, okay, it's supposed to sound like this. You know what right. I mean? Right. And so I, I, I got used to it and my ears acclimated to it, you know, quickly. But right. at the same time, there was a point where I reached critical burnout with, uh, um, with this album, like yeah. big time. Yeah. Yeah. Derek, you never have. <laughs> no, I, I still haven't got burned out on this album. I, I just like it. It was, it was, it was my very first exposure to Metallica, and it was so much different than what I had been listening to, and especially at that time. Because at that time, I was really into like hip hop stuff and R and B stuff, and so I heard this, and it was so much different. Right. And um, and I just latched onto it, and I, I think part of the reason is some of the nostalgia too, because. It did when I was working sure. in my studio. It, it put me in a flow state, and I would paint for hours on end and forget to eat and forget to go to bed and forget. I mean, <laughs> I mean. So I think some of the psychology of that album has to that's it has to do with with that of me not getting burned out on this album. So but, just uh, just just from an audiophile standpoint, real quick, you were pretty much always listening to it on Dad's stereo, right? 
Yeah, with those big ass synergistic speakers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, that's what I I listened to, and um, well, the CD players at the time, I don't know how great they were, but when we got that CD player and I bought that CD, there was stuff that I had not heard before uh, from like the cassettes and stuff. So that was another reason why, to me, it sounded fantastic. Like I don't have any of that. Oh, this album sounds like garbage. Now. Somebody said a little bit ago, when I started listening to this, then I went back like we always do. We go back and try to find what other stuff is there. When I listened to Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, now those albums, there's obviously a huge difference. And I haven't listened to this album forever. I'm now Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, especially Master of Puppets. That's probably my, my favorite Metallica album. I've listened to far more than I've listened to this. But... I, I still I, I like this album. I like all the songs. I, it's yeah, but I, I I think that probably has something to the the, the nostalgia of this album. It, you know, m- music takes us to places, and and you have memories based on songs. Oh yeah, your and, personal and, your personal timeline yeah. is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it's gigantic. So I I think that 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 plays a, a huge part of why I like this album so much. Right, right. It's hard to separate yourself from that. You know, uh, you know, objectively, it's funny because like I do Vinyl Thursday and Vinyl Thursday is a mix of old, mix of new, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 I don't think I like the catchphrase anymore. So anyway, um, so I spend there, there is there there is in metal, there is a very pronounced and what I would say a necessary element that runs, it's a thread that runs through a lot of metal, that lo-fi production is not a bad thing. And this, and and there's a difference between lo-fi production and shit production. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because you can get, you can get a super, uh, super well-produced album with a bad mix. Yes. Yes, and this is it. This is the one. I think. Look, look. I'll, I'll probably, to to the last. I'll master of puppets is, in my opinion, the top of the heap for the band. And right behind that, ride the lightning. Ride the lightning for sure. And then, and then everything else. Um, I I don't. This album had based on songs alone. Now, granted. They need to fucking end some of these songs three minutes earlier than what they do. But the the strength of the songwriting here, um, obviously they're on a progressive tangent, you know, and just cramming the the actual composition full of just whatever they can fit in there. But from a just the meat and potatoes of the songs, this has potential to give, in my opinion, kill them all and ride the lightning or run for its money. But I just I think the way the album started. So I don't know, Derek. Do you have any? Do you have any knowledge of kind of the lore behind the album? Uh, I, I don't. The only thing that no. I've um, ever, ever heard was at, and after the fact about the the, the bass bullshit. The, the mix. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. they were John and I were talking about this before you got on the call. We were talking off mic about, or <laughs> we were talking about John and I were talking about. Mike Klink being slated to have produced the album originally, and they worked with him for a minute, you know, a couple weeks, I think. Mike Klink is the guy that produced Appetite for Destruction. Um, 
and uh, the Megadeth connection too, because he helped on uh, Rust in Peace. So Carter, what you and I were talking about earlier, that's probably the connection right there. Yeah. So it's, but the album didn't start off well, and I don't think the middle part of it was any better. Even though they had brought in, they had brought Broughton. That's not even a word. They had brought uh, uh, Fleming Rasmussen on to to help finish the album, and he had worked on Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, you know, I've I've read studio theories, and and I've heard some cool interviews with uh, Steve Thompson regarding the mix. And to me, I just don't see Fleming not miking a full sounding drum kit for one. And he wasn't, he wasn't present for the mix of this album. It was left up to Steve. And I think there was another assistant engineer or assistant mixer or whatever it was to get it mixed. And Lars was coming in saying, take the bass down. I want my drums to sound this way. Lars had shown up with notes regarding how he wanted his drum EQ'd and that sort of thing. And the legend seems to point to Lars being the one that made the final call on the mix. Well, I watched an interview recently from 2018 where uh, um, David Fricky, you know who that is? Like the journalist for, um, for Rolling sure. Stone, I believe. Yeah, with the, he, with the really bad haircut. Yeah, the glasses yeah. and, yeah. you know, the skeleton face. And, uh, and he was interviewing all of them. And what, basically what... Uh, what Kirk and James and Lars all admitted to was when they went in and said, Hey, you know, um, James, you know, um, this is, this is, this is, uh, what we got, you know, what do you want? I want, you know, bring my guitar up here or whatever, like balance me out with, with, with Kirk. Da, da, da. Okay, cool. Whatever. Then they said, Hey, Kirk, come in. What do you want? Okay. Bring up my solo here. Da, da, da. And then they got like Lars to come in and go, yeah, I like the way that these guys right here, I don't want to be playing over top of Kirk's solo. So go ahead and do this. Okay, so they talked to those three, but they didn't bring Jason in and go, hey, what do you think of this, 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 and this, right? So basically, I don't know if there was a time crunch or whatever, but like when all of that was done, it was like Jason really didn't have a say. It wasn't like, no. oh, we're, we're going to push no. him out. We're going to push him out of the mix. It was like we, we worked on these, uh, these parts of the album, but we neglected the bass. Yeah. And well, you know, that the- was basically it. The thing to keep in mind is that Jason's bass wasn't even tracked with anyone else there. It was just Jason and one of the engineers. Yeah. And it, yeah, was, it was almost treated like it was an afterthought. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can confirm this, you know, just from general knowledge of the band and the history of the band that Jason didn't get treated really well. Oh, and yeah. that's, that's one thing that, sorry, that, that's one thing that James actually said in the interview. And then so did Kirk. And they said, yeah, we didn't treat him well. We yeah. actually... We actually we were still hurting from the loss of Cliff, and yeah. and, and then even Lar- then Lars chimed in. He goes, he goes, I'll be the first person to admit that like I needed a punching bag or I needed someone to kind of like, yeah, sort of like not blame but kind of like push uh, around. He, he was a kind of a scapegoat for sure. Yeah, that's what I, I was had, looking for. I, I had heard some bullshit too, where they uh, and, and I think it was kind of an afterthought where they tried to kind of sugarcoat things. That um, I'd heard the guy saying that the absence of bass was was uh, w- was on purpose because yeah. Cliff Cliff was gone, 
So they were trying to oh, you know show yeah. that in the song There's, that well that this Cliff, like Cliff it, missing was represented in not gotcha. having face on this you, album. You too. ask you ask a hundred different Metallica <laughs> members and you're gonna get a hundred different reasons. Sure. <laughs> I've I've heard I've heard in the past that James and Lars's ears were shot from being on tour, so they couldn't get they couldn't, you know, get a hear a good mix. But I've all I've also heard that um, you know, just the you know, you let the you let the drummer and the singer guitarist do the mix. What do you think you're going to get? You know, yeah. <laughs> and it's just to me, it's there's almost an element of tragedy to this album because the and there's uh, what that is an overriding theme within Jason's tenure within the band, just tragedy, because mm-hmm. uh, Jason could have been so much more. You know what I mean? It could, it could have been just so much more because when I was a kid, when I was young, Jason was my guy in the band. He was the one I was like, yeah, he's a badass. I was the same way, yeah. You know, creeping death. You know, it was awesome when Jason would get to sing a verse here and there or whatever the case was. It's just it's just so damn sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, Jason. Yeah. Well, uh, like J- uh, James Hetfield has actually said or, or alluded to in a lot of interviews that um, if he had been the sober person he is now mm-hmm. back then that he, that he knows for a fact, he wouldn't have treated Jason that way, yeah. you know, yeah. because I mean, cause think about it. Like James is the rhythm guitar player. And he's more than he's more than the rhythm guitar player though because yeah. at that point Kirk Kirk wasn't wasn't tracking rhythm. Yeah. Kirk was well, only tracking leads up through I I believe the Black album. But the thing of it is he's he is, you know, by you know, t- technically speaking in the lineup of Metallica the rhythm guitar player. So he had been playing rhythm along with Cliff for the longest time, right? And I've had some theories that maybe maybe James was so afraid that him and Jason wouldn't click that he kind of like sort of made it easier for him to not have to worry about that. You sure. know what I mean? But oh, and just just distance himself on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you watch the live shit binge and purge from Seattle concert. It's fucking phenomenal. And like Jason and James are fucking in lock. They're lo- they're they're in sync so yeah. well. And it sounds so fucking great. And it's just kind of like, you know, I, I was watching it with my son not too long ago. And, you know, I'm just, I was like, I was like, imagine, you know, like if, you know, if this, if the bass was played and sounded like, like it is here on the album on some of the yeah, songs. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Derek, do you own the live shit binge and purge box set? Do you have it? Uh, no, I don't. I'm not, not the box set. Or did I just have a copy of it floating around? Was that me? You, w- well, I think that I I bought that. It might have just ended up at your house, <laughs> like so many, That's what you so get. many other CDs. <laughs> so du- Dustin Zimo was like, "Hey, uh, can I, can I borrow that?" Sure, yeah. <laughs> but he would he would he would borrow that and like three other ones. <laughs> And then, and then they just don't make it back to my house. And then you see them at indie CD and vinyl used in the fucking one dollar bin. No, no. What happens is, what happens is, I'm at his house and I'm looking, I'm looking through all the CDs and I'm like, oh, whoa, I, I have that. 
I used to have that. I used to have that. And then, <laughs> and then he'll just, he'll like side eye me and say, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's yours. That's yours. <laughs> I know. I can, I can look through my shelves and no, I know exactly they're, they're well taken care of. <laughs> and yeah, they, I don't worry. I don't worry about it. I know where they are. They're, 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 they're meticulously maintained. How about that? The, yeah. the two, the two CD set of the doors, um, I still have your copy of that, and I think I took it when I was probably 16, 17. Well, you know? was it the yeah. was it the, the VHS with the CDs that you had, or what version of Live Shit Binge and Purge did you? Guys I think have? I just had CDs. I remember having the CDs of live stuff. Um, I don't want to go in the other room and dig for it because it's going to take forever. But uh, I think I just had CDs, and I mm -hmm. think maybe a rummage sale or something. Damn. Maybe maybe bought them used at Karma or I I don't know but I wound up with them because the dick rash sticks in my head. Yep. You know that that. <laughs> well, I'll put, there, I'll put I'll put in a here here dick rash. Dick rash. Yep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. Well, his ad libs on that on that concert are so great. And uh, you know it's like isn't it Harvester of Sorrow um, or. Um, uh, Eye of the Beholder, where they just fucking like fuck up and they don't finish the song, and then they go into like uh, something off of like um, off of Kill 'Em All. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Been a while since I've watched it, yeah. The one, the one thing from that I always make it a point to listen to or watch when it comes up is Creeping Death. Mm. Uh, just it's it's a really good version. The ten, it's too fucking fast, but it's still a really good version. Oh, it's great! Yeah, that man, that concert's like almost three hours long, and my I my son like he uh, he 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 was watching that right now. Like it's funny. Speaking of uh, um, our topic, uh, I hadn't really fucked with the Injustice for All album in years until like this like uh, last spring. My son started collecting records, and so I bought him like. Um, it, uh, what did I get him? I, I got him Injustice for All and and ride and ride the lightning and um and a couple of like Iron Maiden albums True. and stuff and like he got me back into Injustice for All and I've got it on um on 180 gram double vinyl and it sounds fucking amazing and like I listen to it with 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 you know over the ear headphones on. And I listen to it like, you know, through the speakers in my living room. I got a pretty good stereo in there. And mm -hmm. I have a new, I actually have a new love and new interest in the album, you know, and because, and I hear, I hear stuff I didn't hear before, you know, and that's, what's really great about an album that's that long. You're going to hear stuff you haven't heard before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. True. Derek, did you, you, you saw him on the black album, right? So yeah. Did I. Both of you did. Yeah. Okay. Was Derek, was it Fort Wayne? Was it? No, that uh, I took you to uh, Indianapolis. That's when uh, Market Square Arena was still there. But no, you and our cousin went to Fort Wayne, though. Yeah, I, I saw him in Fort Wayne, and then you and I saw them in Indianapolis. Okay, all right, got it, got it. Because um, Corrosion of Conformity opened up, and I was <laughs> remember we we missed the fucking turn on the exit, and we had to go all the way back around oh, yeah, 65, yeah. and and we missed most of uh, COC, and I was I was pretty pissed about that. Mm. Yeah, but that was during load, right? That was during the tour for load and reload because they yeah, they, they played. Was, it was load. Yeah. The guy fell on fire from the the light truss. Yep. 
That's when that's when we saw Rick Smith, wasn't it? Yeah, Rick Smith. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was the Pacers. He was the Pacers center forever. It was just weird because Derek and I were sitting there just shooting the shit, and somebody went, "Hey, it's Big Rick." Yeah, everybody. Like, everybody kind of like, got. They yeah. got real excited. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck's everybody all pumped up about?" And he was like, "It was like ten feet in front of us." I was like, "Holy shit, that's Rick Smith." He was massive. He was a mountain of a man. Yeah, he was. He was a big dude. But when you okay, so when both of you guys saw them. Derek, you saw him on the Black Album. Was was mm-hmm. was there pretty? Was Justice pretty well represented in the set list? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, I wonder what the I wonder what the playthrough of the album is. I wonder if it's anywhere near a hundred percent. I don't I've, I don't think I've ever seen him play. Um, uh, oh shit! What's the last song? Uh, Dyer's Eve. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen them play Dyer's Eve. Doesn't mean they haven't, but I just. I don't think. It's yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure they played. Um, they played Black In, and uh, of course they played One, and um, I want to say that they played the shortest straw and and also Injustice. But you you saw them on the Black Album too, John, right? Mm-hmm. Where at? Uh, Omaha, Nebraska. How was it? It was it, it was it was awesome, but what what sucked about it is the place was too small for them to do it fully in the round. You wow. know what I mean? So, so it was like it was like the I guess it was was it a triangle or was it like a five sided thing? Yeah, but I don't know. I just remember that one side of it was pushed against the back wall, and I'd seen I'd mm. seen Kiss there, I'd seen the Clash of the Titans tour there, I'd seen a bunch. So it was kind of like set up with like a theater kind of vibe, right? But uh, this was definitely it was the in the round with the snake pit and stuff. But it was just like part of it was pushed to the back wall of the stadium, and it was awesome. I could not get up front to save my fucking life because there was just like a combination of huge circle pits and then a bunch of like random like jock type dudes just standing there drinking kind of trying to have like a little tailgate party like in (laughs) in the pit you know what i mean they had their sections and their areas where like i'm standing here with my girl and our boys are here and there was there was definitely like you know some sort of version of social distance going on and then you get about like 10 rows from the edge and it was just fucking just like such a thick layer of people so i was probably i was probably about 20 rows back the whole time watching them. And uh, I remember Jason did Whiplash. Um, and um, I remember uh, the, be- the beginning of um, For Whom the Bell Tolls was, was stretched out. And they did a couple of cover songs, I believe. Um, I, can't, I, I, don't, I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember because at the time, if they did a Metallica, or I'm sorry, if they did a, um, a, a Motorhead song, or if they did like a you know, you know diamond diamond head song other than you know am I evil or whatever I wouldn't have known you know what I mean because I didn't know I didn't know any of that music back then you know but uh, I remember very vividly because I went with the none of my closest friends were going but these random like stoner dudes I knew and their chicks were going and I bought a ticket I went with them. We went and one of the guys had a brother that was in the army. We went to his barracks while they pre-gamed and then they drank in his barracks and then we left the barracks and then we went off the side road where they wanted to drink some more. And then we were almost late to the fucking show. And I was still, you know, I, you know, I was straight edge back then too, you know, 
So I'm just sitting there and like, okay, yeah, I know these people from school. What the fuck's going on? Why are they just drinking and drinking and drinking? And then we get in line and then I see some friends of mine I knew like from Omaha and from some other towns like that. So I link up with them and these people that I'm there with, they bailed, went inside. And after I walked, you know, I walked in with my friends that I knew from the other town, I didn't see any of the any people that I came with. Right. And then at one point in time, I saw one of them walk past me in the bathroom. Like, All right. Hey, we're over there. So, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm standing there. Right. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just going to go out and, and meet up with everybody. I get out outside. Don't find the people that I'm with at all. <laughs> can't, can't find them anywhere. The guys that I knew from, from the other town, like, Hey man, you know, do you need to give it? Wait, to wait, wait, John, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. The look on your face, Derek, did you get to see it? Did you see the look on John's face? I'm no. sure it was. It or, was, or, or no. It was, it was. No, I still, I still can't. I, I still can't was, see him. He, the, it, this is my impression. Dude, that's literally. <laughs> dude, okay, so I'll, I'll try. I'll try to make this story as short as possible. So I, I'm, I'm out there, and like the, the guys that I knew from the other town, they're like, "Hey, do you need us to give you a, a ride?" You know, it's like you know, you, you live a half an hour away from us. I'm like, no. I came here with this group, right? So I'm looking around. I'm fucking like 15 years old, right? 16 years old, and everyone's gone. I'm standing outside the front of the Omaha City Auditorium. There's cops on horses. There's cabs. Um, and like nobody's, it's gone. The fucking, like the, 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 the semis for the Metallica are pulling away. <laughs> and I'm in, I'm I'm in downtown Omaha, Nebraska, by my fucking self. And Omaha, Nebraska, it gets joked on by people like it, you know. But it's it's a city. I mean, there's there's you know there's there's hookers, you know, fucking homeless people. Da da da. da. So I'm like, so I walk I walk down to um this uh, I remember very very vividly it was the, the Red Lion Inn, which was this um this uh, this hotel downtown. And I go in there and I call my dad. My dad worked in Omaha, but he commuted. So I called. Um, his office and he had just left. So he drove an hour and a half from Omaha back home. So I had to wait in the lobby of this hotel for my dad to come back and get me. And it was a fucking nightmare, dude. I thought I was going to get fucking stabbed. I fucking, Oh, what's even, what, what's even, what's even better about it is I'm sitting there in the lobby and I'm, I'm like laying on the couch and a guy walks by, he goes, you can't sleep in here. I'm like, I'm waiting for a ride. Cause if, if you're going to sleep in here, you, you got to leave. It was fucking November. It was cold as shit. And it was just like, I remember it was the, it was the week of Thanksgiving. Right. And so I'm sitting there trying to stay awake, trying to stay awake. And then my dad finally shows up. Right. And what's even more funny is I'm wearing this shirt that has Metallica misspelled on it because I bought it from a bootleg guy. And it was it was the it was the black album. It had the fucking four faces on the front, right? And it was like it was like you know Metallica. I mean it was like like literally with one L, you know? And I spent like like 12 bucks on it. And then what that was the biggest clincher is like I was gonna go pit. I was like, I'm gonna fucking mosh. So I left my fucking my watch and my wallet in the car with the people like so I'm in the fucking venue with no money, no wallet, no ID, nothing. And this was back in the day where you memorized phone numbers, right? Right. So I knew my dad's office phone number, yada yada. But so I'm in the fucking, you know, the big city of Omaha, Nebraska, no wallet, no money, no nothing, just waiting for in a fucking bootleg Metallica shirt. And just like just and so I got up with the people at school a week later after the fucking after the break. Wait, like, whoa, whoa, 
whoa, whoa. How the fuck did you get home? My dad came and got me. I called, I called um, his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I called, okay. I called from a payphone okay. in um from from the hotel. I right. called in my dad had just my dad had just left Omaha because he was working that night. It was a, it was a weeknight. Okay. And so he had to turn around and come back to Omaha and get me. So he had to do like a three hour three fucking hours. round trip. Yeah. To come to come get me, right? You know, uh, so or I no, seen, four and a half, because home roughly. back home again. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and, my, and, my, and my dad's like, my dad was mil- military before that because he was retired. He's like, he's like, where's your watch? Uh, it's in so and so's car. And he was just like, you have your wallet. I'm like, no. And he, he was so pissed. I left my shit because I didn't want, didn't want my watch to get broken in the pit. Didn't want to lose my wallet because I thought I was going to fucking, I didn't fucking mosh. It was fucking frightening. You know what I mean? There was like, there was, I wasn't, you know, it was like, I did, I stood there and watched the show the whole fucking time, you know, not knowing that it was going to probably be one of the worst nights of my fucking life ever. <laughs> it was, it was, but it was a great fucking show. And I see these assholes that I rolled to the show with mm. in school and they go, oh, we thought you were just going to get a ride home from that with, with them. So we went ahead and left, you know, the people that you were talking to. And I'm like, no, you guys were drunk and high and you fucking left the, left the fucking venue and forgot about me and fucking (laughs) just went home. So yeah. Yeah. I would have hand, I would have handed out some uppercuts. Oh dude. It was just like, (laughs) these guys were like, I was like, I was a a, a, a sophomore. These guys were like juniors and seniors and shit. And like, and it was, but but I, I had nobody to punch because there was nobody there. I was fucking, yeah. I stood outside the <laughs> venue until like, I mean, until like almost, you know, like, like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. This it was funny. crazy. That's a, that's, that's the next, you, that's the next t-shirt. Mm. There, what? There's nobody to punch. I had nobody to punch. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great. That's okay, a great write idea. That, write that there's down. No, you'll know there's nobody to punch. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do? Only, well, there was no one to punch. So I fucking waited on my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, that's fucking, that's my Metallica story. Fucking thanks, Metallica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no shit. Largy cocksucker. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll just blame them. So. Uh, Derek and I just got lost on the interstate. So Damn. yeah, we just went around and around. Wasn't nearly that bad, but well, that- but but the weirdest night of my life, I was with Derek. Mm. <laughs> that was, and, was the Metallica I- show. I was super fucking high that night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now would be a good time to put in a little snippet of the band is going to make it. (laughs) 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 That that allegedly happened. Mm. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. Those are just their stories that people make up. (laughs) <laughs> I feel so bad for John. Like, did you did you get like did you eat? Did you like no? No, uh, he didn't I, have a wallet or nothing. <laughs> yeah, no. Fuck. I, I think that I think that my dad and I may have stopped off like at a gas station on the way home. They got a got, trucker supper on the way home. Yeah, something like that. But dude, it yeah. was it was it was terrible. Like my like my dad had just left his office in Omaha because he commuted back and forth. And uh, like he, he just he, left, he probably had a shit day already too. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah I, I guarantee you because he he was a recruiter for ITT Tech at the time, or yeah. or or U, Universal Technical Institute UTI one of the two, 
But uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that that was that was his job, and he drove around, t- you know, you know, talking. You know, he had he had to go meet up at 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 kids' houses with their parents and say, hey, you know, your kid's going to be going to this school and this and that, you know. And then you go to the office and have to do whatever the heck he does. But I mean, yeah, I mean, just you know, he would basically work a fucking twelve to fifteen hour day, more or less, with the travel <laughs> and everything, you know. And then he had to turn around and get my stupid ass. Wait, you know, what, what day of the week was it on? If it's a it, Friday, this is going to be the most no, amazing thing. It was a it was a uh, <laughs> Wednesday. It was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Oh, so he had to go to work the next day, right? Mm, probably. Well, no, he he had the next day <laughs> off, which was great. But it was it was like it was like you know Wednesday or Thanksgiving is always a Thursday. You know what I mean? See, I want the I want the visual. I want the mental image of angry Mister Carter <laughs> ha- oh, having dude. to go to work the next day and be like my. Fucking such, oh, yeah, dude. This well, fucking kid, I swear to God. Like, like I said, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know the, the next, the next day was Thanksgiving, so it was okay. kind of like, right. yeah. So, but right. my dad, my dad would have this thing where he would just sigh very loudly when I disappointed him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dad, dad sounds right. Dad noise. Yep. Dude, I'd already disappointed him because I was sitting here with like shoulder length long hair, wearing fucking tight black jeans, a fucking bootleg Metallica shirt, you know, and no fucking money in my pocket. No fucking my jack, my hoodie was in their fucking car. So it's just yeah. like he probably thought he failed as a parent. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like this guy, this guy has no fucking life skills whatsoever. He does not know how to be prepared for a fucking November night in Nebraska. Did he even like when he got there? This is what I'm picturing. He's coming in. He's fucking stoic as shit. He's pissed. He doesn't say anything except for "Where's your fucking watch?" Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because because he know he he noticed that I didn't have a hoodie on, and then he looked down and saw you know I, I didn't have a watch on. You know, and my and my dad was a my dad was a pl- a platoon sergeant. Um, in the in the National Guard after being a you know being in Vietnam you know what I mean? yeah and so yeah so he yeah stoic you nailed it he was very he was very stoic but stern yeah he was he was a fucking a drill sergeant that was yeah. they had just retired <laughs> and was a you know a college recruiter you know for his new vocation so yeah I mean I, I had a drill sergeant to look forward to to look at his fucking long haired idiot son you know stranded in fucking <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> Well, actually, hey, it's making I mean, me. It's fucking making me sweat. You know, what I mean? today, <laughs> is, today is actually my my dad's seventy fifth birthday. My dad. Oh, right 70, on. Yeah. Happy birthday, Dad. Oh yeah, <laughs> Sergeant Alfred Carter. God, uh, I feel like though, like you know. That's the that's the age you're kind of asking for it. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're just you're up to no good anyway. Mm. You know, <laughs> this is well, karma. You dude, know? Well, like, but like me, me and my friends, we weren't we weren't bad kids. I mean, Eric Tran. You know, I was. You know, I've been friends with him since third grade, and like, you know, he he didn't go. None of my friends that I was tight with, you know, that I grew up in the neighborhood, or any of my friends that I was. You know, uh, we were all growing our hair out and wearing obituary and fucking nipple and death t-shirts and shit. You know, you know, it was me with a bunch of fucking random stoners from high school that happened to know who Metallica was. You know what I mean? And I, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke. You know, I didn't do anything. I w- had done nothing illegal. Right. But it's just kind of like, yeah. I mean, but on paper, I sound like a fucking saint. But I was just a fucking just a, a dork that wanted to go see Metallica. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, yeah. it's. 
Okay, okay. So I mean, that's tragic, and it's I mean, it's, it's <laughs> obviously lived. it's obviously scarred you deeply. Um, <laughs> I've never seen Metallica <laughs> since then. I can't. I can't listen to Metallica. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's why I fucking hate Metallica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There we go. So, and Justice for All is this is kind of the last album they were a skater band or, Ooh, very or, a, good. or a thrash band as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, so is there, is there any kind of, I mean, is it worth diving into? Because all the, whenever I talk to old school Metallica fans, which are going to be Derek's age and a little, a little up. They have a lot of like they have a lot of build up pin up resentment, you know, because they got picked on for for having long hair, wearing a jean jacket, and had like a merciful fate patch or a ride the lightning patch or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you yeah. get a bunch, a bunch of tire kickers pick up from you know one and the black album, and it just feels like a completely different vibe at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, Metallica definitely. They influenced so fucking much of, I mean, just so much of my day-to-day -day life after, because, okay, because I remember oh, we had a social studies teacher that was really, really cool, and they let us put posters on the back wall, right? Right. So this was, this was in, um, in eighth grade, and I put, like, a, I had a picture of Metallica. I'm assuming it was probably from around the Garage Days era, and they're all, they're standing, like, in front of, like, a railing, and they got skateboards, they're, they're their feet on their skateboards, right? They're wearing, like, bands like half cabs and like, um, you know, just like in, you know, in airwalks and stuff like that, you know, with the, the tight, their tight black pants and like sleeveless, you know, Sam Hain shirts and yeah. stuff like that. So I would look at that picture and go, okay, I'm going to grow my hair out. I'm going to wear fucking Vans <laughs> half cabs. I'm going to fucking ride Zolak skateboards. You know, I'm going to find out what the fuck a Sam Hain is, you know, and I'm going to fucking, you know, and it was like, you know, so I went all in, I wore black Levi's that I had to cut them up the side and sew them so they would be tapered, right? And I would wear the black uh, sweatbands every day to school. Right. I sh shaved my head around underneath the hair like Jason Newstead did. I was all the fuck in. My, my fucking, yeah, dude, like my, 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 my freshman, freshman, sophomore year, you know, black Levi's, black band shirt, right. sweatbands, right. Newstead hair. That but was it's, my... it's weird because, I mean, Carter, you're from a bigger town than what at Derek the, and I were. No, at the time I was from Denison, Iowa, which is a small rural town. I didn't move to Sioux City, Iowa until my senior year. So I did my whole middle school and high school up to the okay. middle of my senior year in small towns. And I was always driving like an hour to two hours away to go to, to go see, see, you know, concerts and stuff throughout high so, school. But, but, but that means you had exposure to it though. You know what through, I mean? Through Thrasher magazine and Headband yeah, Ball. Yeah. That was it. But like Derek and I, Hartford city is a small, it's still a small town. Mm -hmm. you know? And the weird, I mean, Derek, cause Derek discovered him first before me and he's seven years older. Derek didn't run into that. You know what I mean? Because he's Derek. Derek's high school experience was just sort of. I mean, Derek was popular. There's no other word for it. You know, yeah. and it's, it's the same thing with me. You know, I was the prom king. You know, my my junior year, and mm -hmm. like I I was in the plays, and I you know I did stuff, and it, it just I got along with everybody pretty well. So I wasn't. I don't ever like. I'm hesitant to call myself like a metal kid. 
I'd say like I was an alt kid, mm. you know, an alternative kid because, you know, it was just strange for me because I grew up in the 90s. You know, I was in 1996. I was a sophomore in high school and and but everyone was listening to Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. We had a lot of death metal fans in my school. So it was Cannibal Corpse, Six Feet Under, Deicide, Morbid yeah. Angel, that sort of stuff. But I was like, you guys, let's listen to Motley Crue. <laughs> you know, and I was I was like four and six years behind, or I'd be like, Hey, I got the I got the new Stacy Q album. You know, let's <laughs> let's check it out, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I never ran into that, but I hear I have buddies now that'll tell me about it. It was like fucking hell. Mm-hmm. You know, shit the shit you would take for being a metalhead. So I feel kind of you know, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a charlatan, you know what I mean? Because I kind of hopscotched around, you know, all different kinds of stuff. But I, I just, Derek, I, Derek and I, did Did you, Derek? Did you run into horse shit with people being a dick about? No, I, I don't. I don't really ever remember that. I mean, I remember some older guys like um, I had a my experience was different. Like I was literally friends with everyone there. There were, you know, how. High school gets really clicky, and when I was in high school, it was really stereotypically clicky. Like there were the jocks and the and the preps and and like the stoner kids. But I was friends with everyone all the time, and I I don't ever remember trying to like look the part. Or I was always into like surfer shit. Like I had I was a skater, and I had a bunch of skater friends, and I had. Uh, a couple of skater friends that totally would fit the part and look l- like they had the new stead hair and the black jeans. And, but for me, like I had uh Pal Peralto shirts and checkered vans and <laughs> like the, but then, but also I would also have shirts that came from chess King that were, <laughs> were something that, uh, you know, like I'll be sure would wear or something like that. <laughs> right. and, and, uh, but uh, I, I don't remember if, if anybody was catching shit, it's because they were being a dick. That's mm, right. That's who right. caught shit. We, right. we, um, it, it was real clicky, but I, I don't remember anybody, you know, being hostile towards anybody because they didn't dress the same or they looked different. It was, it's, if you were getting shit, it's because you were being a dick and, and you deserved what did, it. Um, because you had a really bad run in. We should probably not say his name. <laughs> The biology teacher at the high school that both of us went to. You had a really oh, bad run in yes. with him. Was that what was that over? So that was um my friends and I were they had signups for um this might give it away to anybody that went to school with me. They had signups for the track team on, on <laughs> the wall outside of outside of his classroom. And he was the track coach. And especially the cross country kids is who he really, really liked. And um, so we were all going to sign up just for something to do because we I played sports my whole entire life and and I'd never done track. So I, I thought, well, well, we'll sign up for track. And I was out there signing my name and he came out of his classroom and he said, Lido, what are you doing? And I said, I'm signing up for track. And uh, he said, you can't run track. You're too fucking fat. And I lost my fucking mind. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, John. I grabbed, I, so I, I grabbed this teacher by his throat and threw him up against the wall. I had him pinned up against the wall outside of his classroom and I'm totally ready to fucking make him meet one. And then another teacher comes bailing out of nowhere and like tackles me. 
And um, and I tell this other teacher, I'm like, I'm gonna fucking kill him. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him. And so this other teacher's like, look, I know. He needs to be punched for sure, <laughs> but I, but I can't, I can't let you do that. So this, this other teacher who was pretty cool, he, he kind of walked me down the hall, calmed me down. And, uh, and so, so we went on, but that's, that, that was all that was about is cause okay. uh, he all didn't, right. I wasn't one of his uh, track kids. So uh, he didn't, yeah. he didn't want me signing I, up for it. If- I had a couple bad run-ins with him outside of school. <laughs> yeah, he's Damn. Just, he, he's just he. Well, it it yeah. goes back to what I just said. He's a dick, and, and he deserved it. So fuck that guy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Thanks, Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> There's another shirt idea right there. Uh, I can't. No, I don't have like I don't have any like I don't have like a tragic, you know, sort of a Orwellian dystopian night the way that John had with them. You know what I mean? And I don't I don't have like any bad Metallica stories. Mm. I just, I other than just watching Lars's drum skills degrade, that's that's. <laughs> well, I, I, that's I, sad. <laughs> you know what? I've I've had a theory that I really think that Lars was playing. He was kind of playing on albums like Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, and not so much on and Justice, but he was kind of trying to compete with other drummers. You know what I mean? He was in, into Bathory. He was into a lot of the speed metal that was happening. He was probably a big fan of Filthy Animal, you know? And then I think that, like, my oh, theory he's is, a huge off-the-charts Motorhead fan. Yeah, of course. But yeah. I, th- I think yeah. that he just got to a point where it's like, well, you know, maybe I'm playing now how I just want to play. And, I mean, I don't ever really get... I, I don't ever get caught up in, like, people being, like, super proficient or playing a challenging song or anything like that. It's just kind of like... If just play what the song calls for, you know right. what I mean? And that's one thing that kind of appealed to me about Metallica, you know, where it was just kind of like there was always sort of a pop sensibility, even in their even in their more aggressive kind of thrashier stuff. And the way Lars played drums just kind of made sense to me, you know, and then let's say, you know, it fits. You're yeah. I mean, you're right. It fits the band. Exactly. And I'm not like, you know. You know, I get a I get a reputation for being a snob when it comes to music. You know, you know what I mean. But like, I don't I don't spend a lot of time with Vinyl Thursday. I don't talk about shit I don't like. I only talk about stuff that I'm really excited about. So people don't hear a lot of the nitpicky stuff. Um, I mean, they hear it on here, but the I <laughs> I'm not going to call him a bad drummer. Now, if I have an opportunity to make a joke, I'm going to make it. Yeah, of course. You have now to. that that said, that said, I don't, I don't think out of the big four, you know, the drummers. So let's say Charlie Benante, Gar from Megadeth, um, Lombardo, and Ulrich. I I do not think he's the best of the bunch for sure, as far as technical ability and um, composition and playing for the song. Because uh-huh. I would I would agree with that whole wholeheartedly. I he's I, I don't think he's a bad drummer by by any means. Right. But when you when you compare him to outstanding drummers, he's certainly not an outstanding. Well, drummer. The, well, that's the thing. That's the that's the 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 sort of question you have to ask is that well, why does he get made fun of? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Why, why yeah. do why do we pick on him? You know what's? I what's, think it's and, just and, the and Napster I thing. I think my opinion. That's what I think too. I think I think it goes back to the Napster thing. That's that's when the Let's Bash Lars shit started. Yes. I just, yes. Yeah. Sure. I, I mean, he's, well, he's always been a face for the band, so he's gonna he's gonna attract a certain amount of negativity. But, but, but I do think, and justice for all is those songs are legitimately good songs, in my opinion. Is it a good album? Production loses it for me. Now that said, how does Lars play on it? I do think, given the the progressive sort of twinge that the album has. He missed an opportunity to play a bit more dynamically. And you can see that with Master of Puppets. When you when you listen to just an overall composition from Master Puppets and look at something on Injustice for All, it pales in comparison. Every song on Master of Puppets, pound for pound on every beats, every song on Injustice for All. And it's not just because it's a better mixed better produced album. I think the songs are stronger. I think they were running stuff through a filter and they knew when to limit themselves, especially with these sort of long-winded, um, you know, like Kubla Khan-esque song arrangements and things like that. It's just too much. And they missed an opportunity because none of, the, none of Lars's playing is as dynamic as James's rhythm playing mm -hmm. or Kirk's solos mm -hmm. it's a to me it's to me it's a missed opportunity especially with they captured lightning in a bottle you listen to lars's drum performance on on disposable heroes alone you can you can see him at his peak what he was truly capable of and yeah he was, still, he was still in really great shape at that point yeah, yeah. i think if you it, you, you can compare it to olympic dives and the degree of difficulty Oh, sure. yeah. his, his 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 drumming on Master of Puppets was a much higher degree of difficulty right. than than what he did it on Injustice for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's say we didn't know, right? And someone said, "Hey, uh, the new the new album from Metallica is called Injustice for All." You know they got a new drummer, and you'd believe them. Oh, sure. If you, yeah. If you listen, if you listen to the drumming on yeah, Master of Puppets, point. and you listen to the drumming on, it, it sounds like two different drummers. It really yeah. does. Yep. I just the mix. Oh my god. Yeah, you 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 know what though? Isn't that kind of the recipe though? Starting with Injustice for All, their albums. It was a whole different recipe. Boom, boom, boom. Every yeah. album after that was a new recipe, and new new drumming, new guitar playing, new yeah. look. Everything yeah. was. Yeah. Good it, point. Yeah, that and was, I don't and I don't really have a problem with that. If you think about it, I think what really what really sort of like. Uh, fuck Metallica is they were such a, a driving force in thrash. And then when they evolved, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's that, it's just that kind of, that kind of deal. But it's like people were shitting on Metallica when they put out fade to black. You know what I'm saying? Like right. there was diehards that were like, Oh man, you guys sold out. Cause you're doing your, or escape. You know what I mean? People that fucking turn their backs <laughs> on Metallica when, when fucking, you know, like, Oh, they sold out. And I, I remember hearing older guys talk about that. I'm like, are you kidding me? What the fuck? You know what I mean? But, but, but like these older dudes, guys that were like fucking 10, 15 old, years older than me that got into uh kill them all when they were listening to Saxon and angel witch and shit like that. Sure. And then yeah. when they hear, they, they hear an album like, um, like, uh, you know, ride the lightning and they're like, fuck these sellouts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you yeah. know, so 
in a weird way, Metallica was always doomed to that. Yeah, well, I I think well, they're the they're fan fan base. I'm sorry, they're. Their fan base, they were one of those bands that had absolutely diehard, rabid fans. Mm-hmm. And then when, when, you, when you come in and you don't give them what you've been feeding them, I, I think, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot uh, to a certain degree. Yeah, um, it's, well, I mean, you get that. That happens with any band. I think, I hate, sure. I'm, I'm such a huge Iron Maiden fan, but Jesus Christ, some of the Maiden fans are fucking insufferable. You know, and it's it's just that that you know doesn't matter what it is if it's Maiden, I'm in. You yeah. know, you know, you see, well, how'd that Blaze Bailey thing go for you? You know, yeah. it's <laughs> which is which is sad because Blaze Bailey is a good vocalist. He's just not a good Iron Maiden vocalist. But the and two, look, okay, I'm gonna get this out because I'm thinking of it. The fucking shitsters that constantly say that Paul Diano can't couldn't hold a candle to Bruce Dickinson. You guys are fucks. There's there's no there's no other word for it. Paul Diano was fucking smoking on mm-hmm. those first two albums, Killers especially. His highs, his falsetto, his sometimes when he goes to a lower register. I just get tired of hearing people shit on Paul Diano. It it really really bothers me. So but, much of that comes from anyway. people thinking that they have to do it. Like there's this dildo that I work with that he has to shit on everything by Metallica that they that they've done since the Black Album just because of the hair thing. And I'm like, can you get over the fact that they cut their fucking hair? Was it something I said or? No, it was just how. How nonchalantly you said this fucking dildo I work with. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, it, he, he, he's a guy that his opinion of all music is based on what he's told to think of something that they've done. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, yeah, I know. This, I know. This, this cool yeah. dude turned his back on Metallica for reasons A, B, and C. So I'm going to cite those reasons. And I'm, yeah, gonna hold yeah, on. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, hey, but have you heard the fucking, you know, the guy's like super into, he likes, he likes COC or he likes fucking crowbar. I say, Hey, have you heard the song two by four? It's a pretty heavy fucking crowbar ish COC type song. You know, if you really want to split hairs and go, Hey, they cut their hair on load, but there's some heavy songs on there, you know, being devil's advocate, of course. Right. But this guy, he'll say what you're supposed to, if you're between the ages of 40 and 45, you're supposed to say you dislike Metallica because of this reason. Because, but you can't, you can't think for your fucking self. Why don't you just go, Hey, I'm going to listen to this subjectively and go, you know what? It's not master of puppets, but it's a good out. It's, it's, you know, it's well-written mm-hmm. and in the case, in the case of uh, well-written and well-performed, but in the case of injustice for all, it's like, yeah, these are strong ass songs, but why the fuck did they mix it like that? Yeah, man, they, they fucking mix the bass out. It sucks. Okay. Yeah, I, I found a reason to hate, hate them now. I'm going to stick. I'm going to. Hang my fucking hat on on that. So we're C- Carter. You and you and I are picky, and we both fucking love Bathory. Mm-hmm. We both like Venom a lot. We mm-hmm. we love the early Accept catalog. I like the first three Bathory albums and the, and the first three Venom albums. We just I put can't. <laughs> I can't know you anymore. Oh come on! Every 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 <laughs> everything everything post fucking under the sign of the black mark yeah. is like. Eh. I you love can, Thorns, you but, can fucking mm. go to hell. You can go to hell. Oh, you can you can ride to Nordland. Get on your horse and go to Nordland. Open ride over Nordland. 
but yeah, but yeah, I, I know. <laughs> no, no, okay, okay. So, so we have an appreciation for lo-fi when it comes to metal, Bathory, just black metal in general, mm-hmm. obviously. And both of us are, you know, steeped in punk rock, and production quality isn't, you know, high quality isn't always the most important thing. It's more about attitude a lot of the time. Black metal, it's more about atmosphere, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, does injustice for all bum me out? Because because I think it's a terrible album, or does it bum me out because I think the production is bad? But if I think it's the production is bad, how come I can listen to Black Flag? Mm. You know what I mean? So what's the what's the for lack of a better term, the trigger? You know, that 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 flicks flicks my switch or your switch, you know what I mean? But you love the album, you know? You you love it, but I can't get past the production of it. So what it makes me think is that relative to the rest of the Metallica catalog is yep. where is where, where where my frustration comes from. Because if this album was Merciful Fate, I'm good. Mm, I see what you're saying. You know, it's, it's it's just interesting because we have our we have our own sort of like internal bias in that regard. So realistically, I don't necessarily it's the production's part of it, but I think more, more so the reason I dislike this album so much is because I'm such a huge Jason fan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's the psychology of being a Metallica fan, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah, well, yeah. okay. Like what you said about like, you know, liking th- things that are kind of lo-fi and whatever. Like I, to me, it was like when I first heard, heard it and it sounded weird. I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is what they're, this is, it's supposed to sound like this, you know, uh, you know, it's, it evoked kind of a really dry, stark, cold feeling. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I get it. So when I first heard it, that I'm like, okay, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. And, and I'll, I'll be the first person to admit that I didn't know for years until years after the album came out that the bass was mixed out. Cause I was never really, I wasn't a musician at the time. And yeah, I thought, me too. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I didn't. I was none the wiser. I thought maybe he was playing so in the pocket behind James's guitar that he wasn't doing any do 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 over anything, or you know, or say James is doing a gallop, he's doing like a ball 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 ball. You know what I mean? Like Cliff used to do. You know what I mean? So I thought they were just the bass and guitar were such a lockstep because I was hearing on the chugs. So I'm like, okay, yeah, there's 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 got to be bass there. Yeah, sure, there's bass there. Then I find out years later. They mixed the bass out and went back and listened to it. I'm like, fuck, you're right. It's you know? barely there. Barely. Yeah. So Derek, Derek, it did it didn't register with you either? No, because just what what John said, uh, I I thought that's the way it was supposed to sound. I didn't that that was my first exposure. I'm like, this is what Metallica sounds like. And yeah. I, I didn't I you know, when I went back and I listened to um Ride the Lightning and, and Master of Puppets, they for sure sounded great better but i still even at that point i I didn't know that that the bass was missing i thought that's just that's how this one sounded yeah and and i didn't i didn't and and i've I've never been a bass player and um and to me lars's drums i like lars's drums on i think i like the way they sound they're they're big and boomy and they kind of took the place of what maybe the 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 bass that wasn't there should have should have been there but I, I I liked it, and I didn't I, I didn't know there was anything wrong until much <laughs> much later. Yeah. Uh, well, because I mean, the it's thing like is- it's like the perfect metal album for a Sleater Kenny fan. 
you know, John will get John's gonna get that joke. Yeah, you John, know what? Okay, who, who the fuck is Sleater Kinney? They're 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 uh they're an all girl band. Um, yeah, they're two uh, guitarists and a drummer, no bass player. Yeah. Oh well, the, yeah, they were part of that whole riot girl thing or whatever. Um, yeah. and uh, the the what uh, the the guitar player singer, she actually. Is on Portlandia. Yeah, it's Carrie from Portlandia. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, but yeah, yeah I, I didn't think about that. They did have two guitars and and you know whatever. And, but but like like I said, I I I really can't think uh, back to when when it was first shown to me and told to me that there was no no bass. I don't I don't know I don't I don't know. At one point in time, I knew that there was no bass in it. I honestly can't remember. I don't. I don't think that that happened until uh, uh, the first that I remember hearing about it is when Jason finally decided to leave the band. That's yeah. when I remember See, I, when okay. I started to hear about that stuff. I was I'm, dialed. I was dialed in immediately, but I'm more. But you're you know, a bass player. You you have been. Well, yeah. Since I mean, since I was a kid, I started playing when I was. Yeah. So, young, so so it's just like me when I started by playing the drums and so with everything i listen to i oh i hear the drums before i hear anything else and and that and, and that's maybe that's why like you were like hey i can't pick up the bass on this where the yeah. fuck's the bass at yeah True. i remember just it's just so it's just it's such a missed opportunity in my opinion this could have been a much stronger album much stronger album yeah. I think so, but but don't you think that that at this point in, in in history or the time this this makes that album stand out? I mean, it's a it's a glass half full kind of thing. The bass is gone, and what a tragedy! And it could yeah, have been this yeah, much better. But it, it, also, it makes this album kind of iconic in in a way that. Yeah, I I I mean I agree. I when Oz when Oz or it wasn't Ozzy Sharon when Sharon re released. Um, the Ozzy albums with Lee Kerslake and Bob Daisley on it, mm. and she had, uh, I think, Mike Borden and Rob Trujillo retrack the drums and bass. That's what I I'm heard. Not, yeah, I'm not 100. I'm not 100 that it was Mike and Rob, though. So don't quote me on that. But like, I remember just it was fucking insulting, you know, just like why would you do that? And it was to squeeze them out of a performance royalty, you know. Mm. And it's just the, but it, yeah, I would. If you change, no, no, you know what? Fuck this album. Uh, <laughs> fuck, fuck this album. And I'm not, I'm not going to try to make some stupid leap of faith to try and make it right. No, I don't listen to this album as it is. I listen to the album with that chubby dude playing bass all over the top of it, and it's it, fucking great. No, it fucking sounds garbagey. I hate it. I well, listened to that bullshit all week after you sent me that, and it just does not fucking sound right. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the only guy they talked to was the bass player, and he said, hey, make sure you fucking turn me up so you can't hear anything else. That's what it fucking sounds like. <laughs> you know what? I mean, yeah, because you, because you're listening for it, and they made a point to let you know that, hey, this is this has bass on it now. Yeah. yeah. I could, well, and but the way that I listen to stuff, I'm, I'm, I don't get as fired up as Dustin does. It's like I, I, I take an album for, okay, this is, I take it for what it is. Okay, this is the album without the bass. Okay. Do I like it? Yeah, I like it. No, like it's it. not. No, no, mm. no. You fucking shitster. <laughs> it's not, it's, this is not the album without the bass. This is the album. There's no, there's no extra qualifier attached to it. This is the album. A big piece of shit. Uh, 
It's not learn, a piece of shit. Learn to accept the things that you can change. Or, <laughs> wait, what is you, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> accept the things that you cannot, you cannot change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I wouldn't get so upset if I had mm-hmm. the ability to fucking change it. Yeah, I'd do it. You know what I mean? I just, I, I'd fucking, you know, I, I've, I've been playing bass for years. I, I could jump in there and fucking doodly do for him. You know, but whatever. You know, but, but I can't. Such a missed I, opportunity. I got to listen to. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> there is so much overtone on the album, like, and I, you know, I can see the what's his name Thompson, Steve, Tom, the guy mixing it, going, "What is that?" You yeah. know, like, and Lars going, "It's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's yeah, fine. it's fine." Do you, do you well, want, I actually from Denmark. What, I was going to say, do you want a waffle? But that's Belgium. <laughs> Danish. Do you want a Danish? Uh, do you want some hash? <laughs> yeah. smoke, smoke some hash. Yeah. I have. I have a cheese Danish that says <laughs> you didn't hear that overtone. I I have a King Diamond bootleg. That, <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of from from Denmark. That's Danish, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> but there, there, there's actually a really cool, uh, well, I don't know if it'd be cool, but interesting stories about the making of the of the one video. And oh. there was, yeah, there was, they were in a particular type of headspace all around at that time. And, yeah. I mean, there was times when they wanted to, like, you know, put clips from the movie in there and stuff. And, and James was like, what the fuck is this? And the guy's like, it's what you asked for. You know what I mean? So it's just, it, yeah, it's, it's that, they, they were in a particular type of headspace. So to me... I'm not saying it's all good, but it makes sense that shit was weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's I mean, it's justified in how like dysfunctional the band probably was at that time. Mm. But yeah. OK, so we got to look at comments. But before we look at comments, we have to talk about Johnny got his gun. These shutters are to be closed at all times. What's he saying? He says, kill me. Over and over again. Kill me. Tell him we'll do everything we can to make him comfortable. For now, he needs rest. Tell him we'll give him a sedative and come back later. And try to get his name. You're not to mention what has happened here to anyone. I'll hold you collectively responsible for any breach. If new orders are received in view of the new situation which has developed, you'll be notified. Well? He won't wait for an answer. All he says is, kill me, kill me, kill me. Don't you have some message for him, Padre? You could at least tell him to put his faith in God, couldn't you? I'll pray for him for the rest of my days. But I will not risk testing his faith against your stupidity. Well, you're a hell of a priest, aren't you? He's the product of your profession. Not mine. So, have either of you watched it? No, no. I Just saw the clips it, in the video. Okay. Like a, a long ass time ago, like it was on um, 
either Turner Classic Movies or A&E when they used to play movies, sure. um, like like back in the 90s. And I remember going, oh, that's the movie, that's the movie with you know clips from the, the one video. Mm-hmm. And I watched a little bit of it, and the movie was just so boring. It had that Elephant Man vibe to it where it was just kind of like, uh, okay, it's just kind of just this stark sort of almost kind of artsy kind of movie, but yet it wasn't artsy, you know? It was just weird. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of like... You know, I mean, I'm sure the backstory is kind of interesting, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling the movie. Okay, you know, so. all right. So the short version is that the one video has uh, clips and audio from the movie Johnny Got His Gun. Mm-hmm. So spoiler alert. Um, uh, okay, so a kid uh, goes to war, uh, gets hit with a mortar or a bomb or something, loses arms, legs. Uh, the ability to speak, the ability to hear, and yeah, that's it. So, um, and no vision. He loses the he loses his vision as well. So he's taken back to um, uh, uh, war hospital. I don't know, Mash, whatever it is. Um, and it's just it's it's the it's him dealing with that situation with the nurse coming and going, the doctors coming and going and a bunch of the movie is him. Um, dream thinking, dream yeah. thinking, dreaming. It's just kind of inside his own head, the thoughts that he's having. Yes. Yeah. And there's, there's one scene where in a dream he meets Jesus and he, and he says, this is what's going That's This is the situation I'm in. And Jesus says, well, you know, you know, leave the situation. He said, but I don't have legs. He said, well, okay, well, then maybe it'd be a good opportunity to talk about it with the people around you. I don't have a mouth. Mm. And, and Don, Donald Sutherland plays Jesus in the movie, which is really interesting. So it's like Donald Sutherland pre-Animal House, so he's pretty young. Mm. Um, and it's just this scene with him talking to Jesus, and he's just whittling away the options that he doesn't have because he's lost the vast, the vast majority of his functions. And so what he ends up doing is he remembers he, he remembers him dad his dad teaching him Morse code. So he starts Morse code on the on the pillow and it gets the nurse's attention and he's just tapping out kill me over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And as as intense and fucking horrifying as the video alone is, that movie, good God. Mm. You know, it's as it's as striking as like a Clockwork Orange was, if that tells you anything. You know, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I watched a Clockwork Orange and good Lord, you know, when you're 15, 16 and you're watching that movie for the first time, that movie is painful to get through. And it's painful because they made such a good money now movie. Now, it's an art house thing. It's got an avant-garde quality. Some of the acting isn't the best. And it's, it's you know, sort of an independent movie, sort of artsy-fartsy thing. So there's that element to it. But good Lord. <laughs> Do you think that that, you know how, like, Kirk Hammett was always been, he was, like, a big movie buff? Do you think that, like, he might have brought that movie into yeah, the... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I had always heard that it, it was emanating from James. Okay. You know, because I think James, I think he had the co-write on it was just Lars and James. So that generally means it's a James lyric. Okay. So, but 
I remember how profoundly that that video impacted me at that age. So we're talking I'm like eight, nine, ten years old. So that puts Derek at like 16, 17 years old. And I remember Derek, even the, I remember we were standing in a living room and it came on one day and both of us were just glued, <laughs> tra transfixed on it. Like mm -hmm. this is fucking heavy. This is extremely fucking heavy. But if you get an opportunity, go watch Johnny Got His Gun. It's don't, don't, not like a date night movie. Don't do that. <laughs> um, and watch it with the sun up. That would be my suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of those ones that you need a break afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You'd be, yeah. Go, go take a walk, you know, yeah. <laughs> have a cup of tea, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. So. Or, or, or when it's over, you just like, I need to go watch Animaniacs for about an hour. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like I've, I've been binging uh, Breaking Bad and I'm finally getting around to watch it and I'm like, I'm into the almost to the end of the third third season, and yeah. I I have to like watch like stupid shit like for a couple of days afterwards. Yeah, because it, it kinda just gets too heavy. It just gets too fucking heavy, and you need a break. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That, yeah. Oh man, that movie. <laughs> well, see, and and that's just the thing. I, I like you said, you you stood there in front of the TV and watched the video. I remember doing the same thing, like when I when I first saw it, like. I remember when they had the world premiere on Headbangers Ball yeah. and they announced it. And I'm, I'm like, because the way it was arranged in my living room was like, there was like the um, the uh, entertainment center that was kind of like, I live in one of those houses where like, you you know, you walk up the stairs, you know what I mean? And, and our entertainment center was right there by the staircase, right? We had a, a couch that was kind of like adjacent to it. And so I sat on the edge of the couch, like the the the, the arm of the couch and just watched it. And I'm just like... Holy shit. Every little fucking bit of it. The, the, the movie clips, the, you know, what, you know, what shirt, you know, Lar Lars was wearing a, a white and justice for all t-shirt and the rest of the band was wearing, you know, black shirts, you know what I'm saying? And just, yeah. you know, what, what guitar, you know, James was playing, what, what was written on the little sticker, you know, on the, just the fucking, just absorbing my every, it was, it was the most intense video I'd ever fucking seen. It was the first yeah. time I'd ever seen a video for, heavy ass heavy metal music you know what i mean like it was just because headbangers ball for the most part didn't really show much thrash oriented stuff up until that point yeah you know you might have seen like um you know testament over the wall like once every in a, in a blue yeah. moon you, you might see players seasons in the abyss yeah yeah, yeah. Was, was that was seasons in the abyss before or after uh, season of the Abyss was like oh it's nine I think it's ninety two nineteen ninety yeah. ninety one yeah but I mean yeah I, I hadn't seen and I maybe seen the the Toxic Waltz video you know or fucking like you know Elimination by Overkill or something but this was a, this was on a whole nother level it was dark and cold okay. you know mm -hmm. yeah it's or Jason pantomiming something that wasn't in the music yeah perhaps <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> It's all we really could do. Just, just real quick, just real quick. We're gonna look, look at the comments, but real quick, um, just heads up, Zetro, um, from Exodus, his podcast. I no shit, it. he did a two-hour episode with Rob Dukes. No, um, okay, not too long ago. So if you guys get an opportunity, go check that out. It's weird to see two of Exodus singers, you know, talking to each other. It was just really strange. Yeah. It's, so, uh, I mean, Paul Bailoff, you know, Paul Bailoff's, you know, passed away, but yeah. Zetro's Toxic Vault, I believe it's called. Yep. 
yeah, it's really, really good. All right, you guys want to look at some comments? Sure. It's time to look at some comments. Derek, if you will, reference yeah. the Music the Lightblood chat betwixt the three gents that make Music the Lightblood go, you will see that I've scoured the dirty depths of the YouTube comment section and I've found the worst that humanity has to offer on assorted Metallica YouTube videos. First comment, Derek. Uh, this is from Roberto Medina. Metallica... <laughs> Metallica was ahead of their time creating karaoke for bass players. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's the one that cracked me up initially. <laughs> that one's that that's under a really good. I think Loudwire did it. Um, it's under a really good interview with uh, the guy that mixed the album. Yeah, yep. He kind of looks like uh, Rick Allen from Def Leppard. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Just a much larger version. He just called him fat. Hashtag Bob Chain. <laughs> All right, <we laughs> All right have, next one. Right, let's go to the next one. Um, this is this comment comes from Alfred the Great, King of Wessex. Good name. <laughs> to summarize the video, quote, everything was great. One, but Lars. Two, then Lars. Three, so <laughs> Lars. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't remember leaving that one. I don't remember it. All right, what's the next one? Uh, this one, that last one was from that same interview. This one seems to be uh, from something different from He Fookin' Left the Band. The short answer, Lars. <laughs> the long answer, Lars Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> he Fookin' Left the Band. Yeah. I think that's a that's a that's some kind of monster reference, right? When, Sounds, when, yeah. when Lars was losing his shit about yeah. Jason quitting the band, he fucking left the band. <laughs> yeah, he fucking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one uh, from that same interview again. Marco McNamara and Justice for All, more like and just it for Lars. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember getting that one. That's yeah. So. Yeah, more like <laughs> adjusted for Lars. Adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was great. Uh, that's awesome. And then All I right. see a, a great picture of Don Dawkins, right? Yes. Yeah, it is a fantastic picture of Don Dawkins. <laughs> his his makeup is fantastic. Mm. He yeah. looks so supple. So and it, it it looks like he might have borrowed a. A bit of jewelry from Mr. T as well. <laughs> what? He's got some. He's got some gold around his neck there. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. All right. Next, uh, next comment from Ryan Lidagaga. Is this on the one video? I believe so. Yeah, it looks like uh, the picture of um, they had like the masked helmet thing over his head when he was laying there. Okay. Uh, when you take off the arms. <laughs> When you take off the arms and legs off your Lego minifigures, this is what plays in their heads. How does it feel, you monster? <laughs> <laughs> take off my arms. Take off my legs. Take off my <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
John, John, I don't think John ever likes this bit because he he always does that tight lipped. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, do you know, do you know what bothers me is the fucking fact that I'm using my phone to do this and I can't look at the goddamn comments and join in. So that's, that's, that's <laughs> oh, my problem. Right, 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 right. Yep. Dude, so. well, just describe it to him, Derek. <laughs> oh, okay. What we're looking at is a, a square. Looks like about four by four. Okay. Uh, is, is there text? Are, are there, there are is. There, are there images with, yeah. with with people performing? Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. a there's okay. a small small photo of lo looks like a snip from uh -huh. the one video. Uh huh. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm picturing it now. Okay. okay. And below and below that, uh, the uh -huh. word comments sixty one k. Okay. And then it uh, looks like some kind of icon of uh, you remember those mad balls that they made with the little monster faces and stuff? Yes, I'm 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 seeing a circle okay. with a yes. person in the middle of it, and, yes. and, and 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 a white field with black lettering. The face, the face, the face, the face that Perfect. John just made. You get in super bad when McLovin finally <laughs> gets it with the girl, <laughs> and he go and he goes, it's in. And that's what John's face just looked like. Well, you know, we we, we just we just did a a, a a remote viewing, um, like they do on, yeah, on we the did. paranormal shows. We did a re yes. remote viewing. Yeah, I was I was able to, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I was able to. to so yeah. that that worked. Hey, John, what about now? Can you see what I'm seeing? <laughs> you you you've got on on the side. There's 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 a series of videos on the side. <laughs> That may or yes. not pertain to the artist, yes. and 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 then oh, now there's a, there's a commercial asking you to wait five <laughs> seconds for the ad. Perfect. See, see, you don't even you don't even need the pictures. You're good. Click ad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now. Right. Okay. The, 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 the next comment uh, looks like it's from uh, X Sniper Pro, and uh, it's from the one video where he's just laying there, and it says uh, this. This is what action figures must feel like inside the package. Mm, shit. <laughs> uh, next one, um, cronial cactus. Some people, it says some people, Lars sucks. Lars <laughs> plays the drums in, in Morse code saying, kill me just like the soldier. Oh, damn. <laughs> That was kind of harsh. Hey. <laughs> hmm. All right, I think this is uh, this, this is the last one. Last uh, one, okay. Alexi, okay. fun fact: one was said once in the whole song. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> now the now, world is gone. Is now, uh, I'm, I'm just, just one. one. Yeah. Yep, I'm just one. That's it. Well, that's that's progressive metal for you, though. You know. Yeah, yeah, was and all of the us, best. Was it the best title in the song? Mm, no way. Probably not. What would you have called it? Take my arms. Take my legs. Take my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where where are where are my limbs? Yeah. Uh, or kill me. Could have been. Yeah. Good. Kill me. I out. can't. I can't remember anything. SOS, help me. Yeah. Or... Well, that's that's morbid. That's really morbid. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So last thing before we hang this up. Okay. So 1988, 
and Justice for All, 1988. So far, so good. So what? Who wins? I'm going to say Justice. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it wasn't a very... So far, so good. So what was a very strong album, but it wasn't a bad album. I actually listened to there's a, a, a podcast that's uh, I think it's uh, it's 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 by Metal Edge magazine. If you can believe that, it's called Another Effin Podcast, and they just had a show where they they compared um, Rust in Peace to um, and Justice for All, and they had they had uh, David David Elfson was on there. Um, uh, the the new singer for Queensrÿche was on there, um, and a, a few different people. And they went like track for track. And David Ellison was talking about um, his process with uh, uh, with Rust in Peace and his perspective on uh, and Justice for All. And uh, and he was like, he was yeah, I was a Metallica fan, you know, when we were doing that. So I don't know why they picked those two albums because I guess they were two years apart, wasn't? Was it Rust in Peace? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think Rust in Peace is 90. Yeah. I, I think. I, I might be wrong, though. But What's funny was... what, be- what, what Better I- comparison seemed like a better match would be Rust in Peace in the Black Album, I think. I would, I would say Euthanasia in the Black Album. Or a Countdown in the Black oh, Album. Oh, yeah, ca- Countdown, Countdown, yeah, actually. Yeah, my, uh, my son first heard... He, he heard Sweating Bullets for the first time yesterday. You know what I mean? Because we were we were watching like a, a mix of like thrash videos and stuff, and and he never heard that era of Megadeth. You know, and, and he, he he dug it, and I remember like me not liking it because I thought that um, it was their attempt to try to be kind of like the Black Album, yeah. more mid, more mm. mid mid tempo rocked out stuff. But yeah. one thing that I heard about and Justice for All, um, I've actually heard this on a couple different podcasts, and I've read it that. Before Injustice for All came out, Agnostic Front had the album called Liberty and Justice for All, or, Li- or Liberty, and Ju- uh, yeah, Liberty and Justice. Anyway, and uh, or dot dot uh, dot 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 Liberty and Justice. Anyway, um, the guys in Metallica were big Agnostic Front fans. They would go to CBGBs and see them. They go see. They were fans of thrash and hardcore, and whatnot. And there's a story that um, that uh, Kirk and James were hanging out talking to Roger Moret. And Vinny Stigma, and they're like, you know, what's the name of your new new album? And they're like, oh, Liberty and Justice. And then, not even you know, a year later, Metallica comes out with "And Justice for All." And so, it's always kind of been one of those things where, like, they people thought that Metallica took that idea and that name from Agnostic Front. So, yeah. it's, some, it's some folklore, you know what I mean? Something yeah, kind of, you know, yeah. But it sort of makes sense because Metallica, before they became huge, when one came out. They were part of that whole crossover thrash hardcore kind of like imp- skater music scene. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah. they, I mean, they did shows with you know with the Crumb Suckers and SOD and you know and and you know Agnostic Front. You know and uh, um, all, all were, those bands. There's no other word for it. They were a skater band. Yeah, I can see that. Well, they were so, absolutely a skater band. Suicidal Tendencies as well was considered that because yeah. people are like, oh they're not a punk band they're not a thrash band there's their, their fans are all skateboarders. You know what I mean? And, dude, the first time I ever saw the album cover for Injustice for All was an interview with skater Jeff Grosso in, um, in Thrasher Magazine where he's standing in front of his record collection. And there's a picture of it. He's got Injustice for All, kind of how I have it up here. 
sitting on the thing and I'm like, oh, what is that? And then, then I, you know, and then I find out it's a new Metallica album, yada, yada, yada. So it was just like, okay. And like I said before, I had that poster of Metallica where they're all standing, posing with skateboards and shit. So yeah, mm-hmm. they're very much embraced by the yeah. skateboard crowds. Yeah. The underground stuff too. They played a lot of shows with uh, Sam Hain and Danzig too. So mm-hmm. I remember there's those pictures of Sam Hain hanging out with Metallica when they were at Market Square Arena here in Indianapolis. You can, they're standing like Sam Hain's in front of the back of a semi and James is making a weird pose and stuff. So it's interesting that sort of like the the four degrees of separation of yeah i've seen that where like the the guys in sam hayne like uh the, the london and they got their hair down the front of their face and like mm-hmm. and like james is like this like, yep ah. yeah that's a classic yeah. picture yeah, yeah it's fucking cool. it's a cool picture erie vaughn tell, is uh, like a foot taller than james hutfield <laughs> well like yeah i mean erie's a big dude too but james is very kind of long-armed and gangly but yeah all right so it's time to wrap this one up okay so, uh, real quick, favorite song, John? I would probably say, uh, Shortest Straw. Okay. Derek? Um, Shortest Straw or Harvest of Sorrow. Mm. Okay. I'm Afraid Ends of Sanity. Oh, there you go. Hey, John, you popped off. You popped back on. Hey, I can see John. How does that happen? That's weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> in right. the last two minutes. Of the yeah, the last two minutes of the fucking show, I can finally see John. <laughs> I th- yeah, I I, I kind of think that you've, you've kind of proven that, like, just like we were saying earlier, it's an album that, like, I kind of stepped away from for a long time. And, I, I, you know, but it's fun to revisit, though, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah. The Disposable Heroes is still the greatest song they've ever written. Battery. Battery. Battery's my favorite. Battery's good. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Turn on the battery. All right. Let's wrap it up. Cool, man. All right. That's another episode of Music the Lightblood's Conversations from the Pit. Wrapping Music the Lightblood. Something old. Something new. What in the fuck are you listening to? <laughs> Apparently not this album because we didn't know. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> we ruined it's it. It's been a it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's a good thing we know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're so successful. You know that song that goes... <laughs> yeah, that's how we figure it out. Yeah, that's what we sounded like. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Do you see what I see? Truth is in a fence. What what fucking song is that?
Like that's, uh, chug, that's the chugga song. That's Harvester of Sorrow. No, no, that's Eye of the Beholder. Eye of the Beholder. It is. Um, we no, just I, had like an hour and a half conversation about this. Now everybody's finding out we don't know the damn titles of the songs. You know yeah, what's hilarious? Know. Is we honestly, know, I'm not going to lie. The fucking that album's one song. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that lasts a fucking hour and a half. <laughs> you're, you're, a, you're 100% right. It yeah, is. It is. Yeah, I just like Freight Ends Insanity. But da, but da, but da, ba, 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 oh, we, oh, yeah, yeah, but that fucking whatever song that fucking one riff that blackened. Is it blackened? It's not blackened. No, no it's it's so not blackened. <laughs> Is that no. even a Metallica song? 